Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Think about a time for a minute when you just knew that you were right. You didn't have any reason to doubt. You had done everything you needed to do, and you found out how deluded you were, how wrong you were, how things just absolutely were not what you thought. Now, Rebecca will probably break into chills or hives thinking about the time that together had a problem. We were out west, and we had car trouble. While the car was being fixed, we rented a car to drive to the redwoods of California. And while there, they called and said, the car is ready. Well, we wanted to get back on our trip to finish it up, so we pulled out a map and we looked. Here's where we are. Here's where we need to be. Here's how we can get there. She agreed, by the way. I looked at a map, by the way, and the map said, do this. So we did it. And as the end of the day approached and the road is getting more narrow and more narrow and the sun is going down and we're looking for a gas station and we're going up and up and up and all of a sudden that road on the map ended at a guy's cattle farm with a cattle trail going through. Well, needless to say, Rebecca is upset. Thankfully, a couple came by in a truck and we said, one, we're lost, two, we need gas, three, help. And they said, no problem. You just keep doing this. And they told us what to do. And it'll be fine. But I'm telling you, it was a scary time. In seemingly the middle of nowhere, we didn't see a house and the cows weren't talking. I know what we were going to do. We thought we were right. I used a map somebody had presented as being right. But that road, it was only right. There is a way that seems right. And we've all experienced it. But its end is destruction. For a few minutes, think with me about the way that seems right. And what is it causes it to feel right? Why would we be convinced that it is right when in fact it is not? I hear many people in a religious context who, as far as I can determine, are not right. 
There are things that are just not right. And yet they absolutely claim that they are. And I've heard many justifications. I've heard this one. It has to be right. I just feel it right here. It feels so right. It has to be right. I have to be right because that's what my grandmother believed all of her life. Therefore, it has to be right. There are so many people that believe and do this very thing. Surely they're not all wrong. So the more people believe, certainly that makes it right. Or someone might say, I know it's right because my church teaches that it's this way. Now, it doesn't mean that those four ways of saying things automatically mean that it's wrong. Because what is actually right does feel good. And it's possible that grandparents were right, that many people doing it are right. And a church can teach what is right. But there are those who think that it's right when it's not. And I'm not just addressing the, the differences between doctrinal teachings. I'm talking about all of life and, and ways that we live our lives and paths that we choose to take. Why is it that sometimes we follow a path that seems right when it is not? Maybe if I know, maybe if I can hear what it is that's really going on in my head, then maybe I can change my direction. Think with me about these people who were on a path, who thought they were right, and notice what was going on in their mind that led them to believe that they were right. We begin at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Eve thought she was right. There's an interesting thing I was thinking about when preparing this. What was going on prior to the serpent? Her new information. God didn't mean what he said. In fact, don't you know, as Eve later in her mind said, oh, it, fruit is good for food. It is desirable to the eyes. And it is desired to make one wise. And she took it. How is it possible in that moment of time, without ever any else 
in her mind, nothing else going on. She was perfectly fine. Everything was great. And then he presented some brand new material and she just bought it like that. I wonder if maybe there was more going on. I've always wondered, how long were they in the garden before the devil came along in the form of the serpent? I don't know, but I wonder. I wonder if it was long enough for her to think, you know, there has to be more than this. Was he appealing to her desire for something new? God had said, here is the teaching. Here is the truth. But all of a sudden, presented new ideas, a new teaching. And now what she decided is a new truth. We get on a path that seems right because we are just constantly looking for something new. We're not satisfied. We're not content. We're not willing simply to take God to say, this is what is right. And I'm looking constantly for new teaching. New teaching that fits those key words that she used. And often those who present brand new teaching, they are appealing to the emotions of people through words like, oh, it's good. It's pleasurable. I desire it. When we are not able to say, I am fine with God's teaching and constantly looking for new teaching. Paul warned Timothy about that in 2 Timothy 4. For the time will come. They will not endure sound doctrine. But because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And these teachers will teach false doctrine, is what he's saying. This time is coming, and what's going to lead to the new teaching is itching ears. Do you know how good it feels? to scratch the inside of your ear. I mean, it feels pretty good. That's what he's talking about. Eve's problem might be that she was constantly looking for new teaching and therefore did not really take God's teaching. You might be on a that seems right if it is your mentality to look continuously for new teaching 
Number two, consider Abraham. Abraham, a great man of faith, the father of the Jewish nation. As he went down into he told his wife, Sarah, I want you to tell everybody if they ask that you are my sister. The king, Abimelech, took her to himself because she's your sister. But the Bible says that in the night, God came in a vision and said, you're going to die. You have a, a woman who is the wife of another man. God, will you destroy innocent people? He told me that she was his sister. Yes, I know, God said, and I prevented you from sinning with her. Now notice, when I fixed the situation and sent Sarah back to Abraham, he said to Abraham, what is in your mind that you would lie to me? What was going on in your head? And he said, I thought surely God is not in this place. Abraham had a problem. He had a problem that sometimes Abraham was narrow-minded and judgmental. As he approached people, he did not even know. He just assumed, since you're not like there's a problem with you. You're not like us. You're wrong. And that judgmental attitude almost got his wife in trouble. Jesus said, judge not, that you be not judged, Matthew 7, verse 1. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 6, do not judge anything before the time when God will bring every word in view. What's the teaching? Is the teaching never to make a judgment call about anything? Of course not. But he is telling us not to have a judgmental attitude. He is telling us not to assume the worst and the, that everybody is in bad shape. Not to say without knowing, I know that you're lost. I know that you're wrong. I know that I can have nothing to do with you. That's what Abraham did. It is possible to get on a wrong path that seems right if you have a judgmental attitude. Three, consider Saul, the king of God's people. Not long after he was selected to be the king, the army of Philistines was over there, and Saul was waiting for Samuel to come and offer a sacrifice before the war was engaged. But Saul wasn't patient. And he decided, all right, I'm just going to do it myself. 
And he took it upon himself, not being a priest, to offer a sacrifice to God. And when Samuel came, he was highly upset. God is angry with you have sinned. Why have you done this? Saul, what was going on in your head? Well, the enemy was coming. You weren't here. I thought they were going to attack. And I had not offered supplication to God. Oh, I get it, Saul. You wanted to be holy. Problem. So to appear to be religious. He wanted to appear to be right. And he said, oh, I wanted to offer supplication to God. So let me ask you a question. If you want to be right, not just appear to be right, why would you choose to offer a sacrifice you had no right for? Because you're trying to look holy. You're trying to say, I'm justified. You're trying to say, look how spiritually motivated I am. When in fact, you're on a path that merely appears to be right because of your desire, your desire to look like you are holy. The Pharisees were that way. They were men who were more concerned about appearing to be holy than taking the time and effort to live a holy and right life. Is it possible that you and I could be on a path that seems right to everybody else, but the truth is in our own lives, we have real problems because we're not taking the effort and the time to live right, not just appear to be right. Consider Solomon. The wisest man, wealthy beyond imagination, God had given it to him. But Solomon was heading in the wrong direction. You know why? Because he was spending time admiring himself in the mirror. When you read chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, read it from the vantage point of Solomon standing in front of a full-length mirror. And as he stands there and he's looking and he's got his arms crossed and he's got this holier-than-thou look, in 23 verses, Solomon used I, my, and myself 63 times. I did this. It's mine. I did it for myself. You can just see him standing in front of a mirror, can't you? And he's going, look at me. Look at all of this stuff. 
He was focused on himself. He was so self-centered that he did not see the real picture. Now, there's a lot of time that passes between the first half of Ecclesiastes 2 and the second half. Because obviously, he is ready to say, I messed up. Now in the second half of the chapter, he uses I, my, and myself 12 times in just a few verses to say, I was wrong. My life is a mess. I live for myself. It is possible to be on a right way that seems right to me, but really I am focused on me. I am so self-centered that I'm not seeing the true picture. Is it possible today that as you look at your life and you're trying to decide, is this the right path? Can you get past a self-centered mentality in order to see what's really going on? If you can't, the text says the end is destruction. But finally... Consider the Apostle Paul. Before he became that great apostle, he was a very religious man. Saul, raised at the feet of one of the great teachers, Gamaliel, he said of himself, I was fully on board with the law. I absolutely followed it. I did and lived higher than anybody else among my brethren. Of course, he was sent out representing the Jewish faith to persecute those who would destroy it. In Acts 26, in verse 9, he said himself, I thought I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ. He says in verse Chapter 1, God was merciful to me because I was a blasphemer and an ignorant man and a persecutor of Christians. And yet, he thought he was right. Everything he thought, he never violated his conscience. Acts 23 and verse 1, he lived exactly the way he thought he ought even when he was wrong. What's his problem? What was going on in his mind? Contrary to Eve, Paul was not looking, Saul was not looking for new information. He was so tied to the old information that he was not willing to consider that there might be something else. We could be on a path that seems right. If we are tied to tradition, 
teaching refuses to listen to continue teaching. Not all new teaching is wrong, and not all old teaching is right. We can be on a path that seems right, but in fact, we are just so tied to what we've always been taught that we have closed our minds, we've shut our eyes, and we're not listening to anything else. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want you to disrupt the life that I have. I don't want to think about anything else. I just want to stay where I am. You see, the attitudes, the mindset of people who are seeming to be right in their own minds are people who are all looking for brand new information. Judgmental and narrow-minded. They are people like Saul who appeared to be righteous but are not. Or like Solomon who is so self-centered that he couldn't see the truth. Like Paul so traditional he was not willing to be challenged on the truth that he had. There's a way that seems right, but its end is destruction. One of the reasons that we gather such as these is to challenge Encourage each other. And if I need to improve, if I need to reevaluate my pathway, if I need to reconsider the direction of my life, we take a moment to say, do it right now. Consider it right now. And tomorrow and the next day to decide to be improved and better people. If you're on a path without being in Jesus and covered by his blood, I guarantee you that's the wrong path. And in baptism, you get on the right path. We'll help you there. Or can we pray and encourage and strengthen anyone to be on the path that God wants? We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.